you know, for any sort of turnaround time because each each area has its own card and you know and then we're just generating you know we're generating usage reports based on dates and not different groups it was it was the difference between night and day welcome to focus a podcast dedicated to the business of higher education i'm your host heather richmond and we will be exploring the challenges and opportunities facing today's higher learning institutions today i'm talking with bob mask the director of campus card services at the colorado school of mines he has a creative way to get even more out of their campus ID system and who, by his own words, is proof that you can teach an old dog new tricks. Thank you, Bob, for being our guest today to talk about using credentials beyond the student ID card. Well, thank you so much. It is my absolute pleasure to be here today. Great. Well, Bob, I know on a lot of campuses, IDs are used to differentiate students, faculty, visitors with those proper permissions. But you have one more constituent base that you have to account for every summer, right? That, that is absolutely correct. Every summer here at Mines, we, um, in in conjunction with our, our student conferences, our student conference services uh, area, we have um, a, a large number of different um, events going on on campus, different camps and uh, different things. Some of them are, you know, summer athletic camps that our athletics folks do. Some of them are different department and research conferences and research gatherings and same like, things like that. So I guess you might actually say we, we get everything from preteens to PhDs. <laughs> wow, that's, that's quite a diverse group that you bring in over the summer. So let's talk about these conference groups. How many events are there each summer? and what are the facilities that they're using on campus? Well, I tell you, um, look, taking last summer as an example, we had over 30 events, uh, 30 separate events here on campus with over uh, 2,500 separate individual uh, attendees. And that is not including um, the attendees that we're not um, issuing a card those would be like athletic camps that have a lot of students but are, are really are guided by a counselor. Okay. So, so those don't even enter into the equation. Um, but yeah, they're all using um, – well, I say all of, the, all of the folks that are here on campus are, e- are either and or using our campus housing and our dining services. Wow, that that's a lot in a short amount of time. Uh, all using it really your, is. Yeah, using all your facilities. So, well, let's first talk about housing. So, I know you figured out a unique way to accommodate all of those campers with a quick t- turn of those groups. Uh, yes, actually, we did. Um, talking a little bit about um, each one of those groups um, is issued a what we call our blaster card, uh, but it's a generic card. It's not specific to that person, but it is specific to the building that they are staying in. So each one of uh, each one of those proximity cards has access to the outer doors of that building and to the different um, doors that allow them onto each floor. We do not have the ability right now to use those for individual doors to the individual rooms. So we do have a hard key um, uh, assigned to that card as well. And those are both um, attached with a lanyard. Now, the thing to keep in mind is when we started doing this, we created a, a number code uh, for each one of the cards so that if one of our staff members look at it, we know exactly what building 
room and everything that that card is attached to. But because we don't have that information on the card because it's sort of in a coded number, if someone were to lose that card, um, someone couldn't pick it up and go, oh, look, I have access to, to this building and this and this floor and this room. Oh, that's smart. So each of the cards, the campers, for instance, would only have access to whichever level that you gave them because of the proximity. Absolutely correct. Okay. Wow, that's that's really cool and unique way of being able to identify it for your staff and you if you need help with them, but then also keeping it a little discreet. So that, that's a good tip for others if they're thinking about doing something like this. Sure. Excellent. Well, and so I know you also figured out something with the with the meal plans and a good system to accommodate both campers and the conference groups to bill after the event. Can you talk a little bit about that? Absolutely. Um, what we've done is we have tried to uh, streamline uh, the process that we do. And instead of creating uh, multiple different meal plans for multiple different organizations, we have basically just created one meal plan, which we call our, our summer conference plan. And that plan is attached to each one of those um, to each one of those proximity cards. Now, using the um, the TouchNet um, meal system, we create what we basically done is has created a um, just a block plan that allows for a single swipe for breakfast, a single swipe for lunch, and a single swipe for dinner uh, for each day for each card. So it really allows some control over how the card used is used, and it also helps us keep track of when it's used. Uh, to be quite honest, um, I actually was inspired by the um, the Disney dining program. My um, my family and I do Disney quite a bit, and uh, when they first started um, rolling out their dining program, I was thinking, you know, this. There, I bet there were some things that I could use in that in creating a plan uh, for people who come and go on campus, not necessarily, um, you know, who are who are here as students or staff members or whatever, but people who just come and go, which is basically, let's be honest, that's what that's what happens when you go to Disney. You're not living there. You just come and go, even though we probably would like to live there. <laughs> right. That That's great. And really uh, a great thought process of like, who, how can I replicate this over here for this special group of, of uh, campers that come in? Sure. And, you know, actually, just to, just to kind of build on that, that is one of the things um, I have been in the card industry for, you know, going on 20 years now. And I think that some of the best ideas that I've ever had, I really didn't have. I Someone else told me about it or something like that, and I've been able to use those. And that's the beauty of, of you know, what we do here in the card industry is, you know, talking to different people and doing those kinds of things and looking what other folks are doing. So, you know, I always try and anytime I can help somebody with something like that, I always like to do that as well. Oh, I think that's great. And that's why we're talking today so that you can give some tips and ideas to others who might have something great. similar going on. Yeah. And and so just to, to clarify, you were able to set up the uh, block plans to where each camper doesn't have like all you can eat, but you were limited to each meal, right? That's that's absolutely correct. That's one of the things when we were trying to figure out how to do this, because each each in the past when we would create different meal plans for different things, um, you know, sometimes people uh, the groups wouldn't understand what to ask for 
or to how the plan was set up so that we would so we would basically set them up how we thought they wanted them and then you know there would be uh, somebody would have extra access to meals or something like that and then the groups might be upset because they would be they would say hey you know we didn't want to have them to have you know we didn't want them to have this open access and then unfortunately we had to come back and say well you know this was what you you know this is what you gave to us so in this new in this new system we um we've decided that creating this basic plan and letting the groups know in advance this is how the plans work um that we that really it really helps to control you know that kind of thing because let's be honest uh, um you just never know how many times somebody's going to go back and swipe a card um so yeah and the nice thing about it is we also work very closely with our food service uh area and if if for whatever reason a group needs something beyond that plan they'll they'll work with our food service and our food service will work with them to make sure they have what they need Oh, okay. That's great. And then I know you were also talking about because the way you set this up, the conference group has an easier way of billing after the event. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Absolutely. And so basically, as I said, so what happens is we've created um, we've created a and anybody who who uses TouchNet and who uses the meal system knows what a what a basic block plan is, and. Um, so basically what is going to happen is that when these plans are assigned, um, we know exactly what they're going to do. So at the end of that um, that event or that conference or whatever, um, the conference services will contact me and say, can you generate a report for this range of cards from this date, from the start date to the end date? And so we know exactly how many meals were, were used by each card through the through the time that they were here and that way it doesn't matter how many swipes have been used on the card we're only concerned about the swipes that happen between that time frame okay that makes a lot of sense and so if somebody skipped breakfast for instance they're not being charged for that you're just saying in this time frame exactly yeah the number of exactly exactly that's great and that's also what lets you because you can do the reporting by date range that's what lets you just have this central car that can be used as the next group comes in the next time, right? That is that is the that is the foundation of everything. That's very cool. So, had this worked before? How does this all differ from what you did before? Well, um, I don't know if if any those who are listening who have seen me before, who have met me before know that I'm bald. Um, when I started this job, I had hair, um, <laughs> and and. So what ha- when I first came here to Mines, it was broken down into um, a couple of different ways that we would address things. Um, we would we would create a meal a, a individual meal plan for every group that came on campus. So figure so figure if we had approximately twenty to thirty groups come on campus over the summer, we were creating twenty to thirty meal plans wow. over the summer. So each time a group would be here, we would have these generic cards set aside, but they weren't assigned to anything. They basically just said summer conference, Colorado School of Mines, summer conferences, blaster card. And so I would get a list um, from conference services that, that says, hey, 
here's exactly what the you know the number of people that are coming here's where they're staying and here's the type of meal plan they want so i would have to create that meal plan then go in and add that meal plan to each one of the cards that we were assigning to that group then i would have to go back and add the access levels um the the door access levels to each one of those cards for the areas that they again the the access, the the living areas that they were assigned to. So every group required that that process to happen every time. Um, there were some ways to that I was able to batch downloads and things, and do, but it was still a, a, a laborious and very manual process in getting all that done, not even taking into account the fact that there is turnaround time for each one of those groups. So we have... We had at the time we had X number of cards created, and so we said, okay, let's say, and I'm just pulling some numbers out of the air. Let's say we had a hundred cards, and the first group that came in at the beginning of the summer had 75 people. So I would set that group up with 75 um, with 75 cards. Now let's say the next group um, had 25 people. So again. 25 more cards, that's 100. We still have plenty of cards. Now, right after that first group leaves, we've got another group coming in that next day. So now the turnaround time, I have to generate reports to determine meal plan usage, remove those meal plans from those from those cards, add the new meal plan to the new card or to the to those cards, remove the old access add new access, and make sure we get those cards back and back to the next group in that turnaround time. So needless to say, there was a tremendous opportunity for human error and and just not being able to to take care of the things you needed to take care of in a timely manner. Oh, sure. And I think you said sometimes that turnaround time is the next day, right? Oh, yeah. And sometimes it was even less than that. Wow. Well, I know what you were doing all summer long. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So so how does your staff react the first time they didn't have to turn around hundreds of cards in that one day? Well, if uh, to be quite honest, if you if you're using the term staff, that's a really nice way of saying me because I'm pretty much a one man <laughs> shop here at Mines. Um, so I was ecstatic because once again, that was that was taking hours out of my day. Um away from other things that, that were on my plate to do because this was something important that needed to be done. So now once we created this new process that basically removed the need to, um, to you know, for any sort of turnaround time because each each area has its own card and, you know, and then we're just generating, you know, we're generating usage reports based on dates and not different groups. It was It was the difference between night and day. That's amazing. That's that's great. Well, I know you're also sometimes asked to look at where someone has accessed a room or even shut off access. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, you know, as with as with any as, as with any group or anything that happens, um, not everybody is going to um, you know follow the rules per se exactly as they should be, and um, so you know obviously sometimes we have we have issues. And the good thing is that because we have these cards set up and assigned to individual areas, all I need to do if something were to happen. Um, I'm just contacted by um, 
by conference services and says, then they would say to me, hey, we had an incident in this residence hall on the third floor uh, sometime during, can you generate a report that shows us, you know, what what act or you know what was who came through the doors and who did it at that time and so then they can work with the um the leadership of the group for whatever whatever you know disciplinary or or discussion needs to happen about that right so i bet you get more uh, rowdy phds than preteens huh <laughs> you know, I I don't I nothing surprises me anymore after after this time after all this time I I'm not surprised by anything you just never know. <laughs> oh, that's great. Well, you know, from a visiting organization's perspective, has this newer process for Mormon Board Management improved their experience? Well, you know what, um, I, I I would like to think so. Um, I really haven't received a lot of feedback. Um, but as anybody who works in, in with with campus cards knows, um, these sort of things really te- tend to get very 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 little notice unless they're not working. And at which point in time, then everybody notices. And and quite honestly, since we started this process, um, I, I really have have had quite a few uh, less. Uh, interaction with anybody. So uh, basically the whole idea of no news is good news is kind of what I'm working on. Yeah, that's always the case. You only hear about if there's a problem, but they don't tell you when it's great. (laughs) Absolutely. That's wonderful. Well, because you've really, you know, done this transition and thought creatively about how to bring this new group in in a most efficient way possible, any other tips or tricks for somebody else thinking about doing something like this? You know, uh, the the interest it's interesting that you ask that because we were actually having a discussion just the other day about how we are going to the campus is very much looking at doing um having uh proximity readers and and card access to individual um residence hall rooms. And so we actually had a sit down meeting the other day to discuss how this might affect our process. And you know, and how we were gonna how we were gonna do things, and I think that th- what my biggest takeaway from the meeting was that not to be afraid to make a change, as long as you're not making a change, just just simply to make a change. But if there's a if there's a good solid reason for it, and in the long run it may it will actually make things better for you, is don't you know don't be afraid to. To look at your look at your process, and no matter how good you think it is, maybe it can be better. And this is coming from a guy, like I said, who's been doing this for quite some time. And and if anything, I'm I'm proof that you can teach an old dog new tricks. <laughs> That's great. Well, and it also sounds like it's quite the uh, side business for the campus. So, do you know this brings new revenue to the university too, right? You know, it really does. Um, like I said, this last summer we had over 30 events uh, with with over 2,500 people here on campus, and I know for a fact that the that is more than we have had in the past. And I think that it, I won't say it's all because of this, but I think this process really makes it more uh, efficient and more streamlined and able for us to to accommodate more groups and different. Um, you know, in different venues and things like that. So I'd say yes. I really, I really think that what we're doing here makes a difference. That's great. Well, Bob, thanks so much for sharing your insights. It sounds like a great business model that other schools can begin to adopt. 
Well, I, I hope that I was I was helpful. And, you know, as I said earlier, I love talking to people and, and you know, and, and talking about different kinds of things. So I, I'm always available anytime anybody wants to chat. They can certainly pick up the phone and give me a call. Um, a long time ago when I started my when I started my career at the at the uh, Texas A&M University in College Station, Texas, I was on the phone constantly with people. So I, I try to I try to pay that forward. Well, we really appreciate that. Thank you so much, Bob. All right. Have a great day. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Focus. Don't forget to subscribe so you can stay up to date on the business of higher education. For more information, check us out at touchnet.com.